And that was Welcome to My Church, the National Anthem by Chris Stapleton and the Pledge of Allegiance by that cute little kid with the bow tie, Broadcast Cow. And uh, this is Paul Jones. It is hump day. It is 11.15. We are now officially halfway through November, which means we're coming up on December, which means maybe we can get 2023 the heck out of our faces and get on with things. And I am sitting, uh, coming to you live from the studios on Race Road, in between Steak and Shake, uh, the closed Steak and Shake in Ron's Roos. And I have one of the, uh, just, I, I'm so excited to have Missy Shackleford, uh, the founder of the Song Shack, coming to you live from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Is that correct? Yes. And welcome, Missy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, Missy is uh, the uh, winner of the 2023 Josie Award for business, uh, Music Business and Organization of the Year, which, as you know, we were nominated for and uh, just so blessed. And when, uh, when Missy uh, won uh, on the 22nd of uh, October, uh, I immediately reached out to her uh, I uh, first went to her website and uh, found that she does and uh, is very well deserving of that win and the accolades. Uh, you do just amazing stuff. I'm going to shut my pie hole and tell me <laughs> about the Song Shack. Well, um, it, the Song Shack is, I guess, a community. It's like just a creative community, and we have um, students here that are learning vocals, songwriting, we do a lot of focus on music business, releasing um, albums, marketing, just kind of preparing a creative songwriter, singer to kind of get to the next level of their career and um, and as be as successful as they can because of the knowledge of how to promote themselves and how to write a good song, how to um, put themselves out there and uh, with their branding and boring stuff that creative people don't like to, <laughs> to talk about, but it's necessary. Well, you know, here's the fun thing. I, I've been having, um, I use a lot of different uh, uh, websites, as I'm sure you do, where you uh, interact with people or maybe uh, try to pick brains or whatnot. And uh, there's one particular platform uh, that I use that uh, uh, will go nameless, but uh, because I know some of those people listen, uh, and uh, they'll figure it out when I say it. What a bunch of whiny asses artists are. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's so true, you know, and I think it's, again, when you have artists that are in their feelings all the time, you know, <laughs> maybe that's the culprit. <laughs> well, you know, I have found that they, they bitch and complain that no one's listening to their music. And then when I ask them, what are you doing to put it out there? They go, why well, release it? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. holy crap. You know, there's there's uh, Spotify just uh, reannounced a uh, hundred thousand songs a day are released folks did you yeah, hear that a hundred thousand just putting something out there <laughs> yeah the odds of people sorting through the weeds and getting to your music as an independent artist is um, likely to not happen without a strategy for sure <laughs> 
Well, the in the one thing that I found really interested in, interesting in just your uh, uh, opening comment about it, and but on your website is you're working with a lot of young people, and then you're teaching them that yeah, you can write a great song, uh, but what are you going to do with it? And right, that's and the most probably the most important part that you do is okay, you've got this great song, you've got it produced, you've got it mastered, now what? Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times with artists, their material too is kind of like the uh, the first, the beginning of anything with an, uh, an artist, creative person that's writing and singing is that they're just not excellent enough at first. So they may have a great song, but their vocals are not there Um or their vocals are there and their songs are not there, you know? So I feel like sometimes it's getting an artist prepared and, and ready to release something is the first steps because, you know, you have to work on your vocals. You have to work on vocal phrasing, inflections. Your material can't just have, you know, a verse in there that was just kind of like a marker verse or lyrics that, you know, are not um up to the level of what other people are writing so that's a hard pill for some creative people to swallow when you have to let someone know that these lyrics are not where they need to be yet the vocals are not where they need to be yet because artists yeah they have feelings <laughs> their little baby feelings well you're you're you know it's it's you're giving birth to something right so uh you know when i write when i am in writing mode um, you have to take on a whole different outlook and go ahead and write. Then I think you have to be in edit mode. And, oh, right. you know, for me, I'll lay a scratch, I'll start writing, and I might listen to that thing three, 400 times. Mm-hmm. And then and you, you got to back up and be your own critic, which most artists can't do. They get their feelings hurt and roll up naked in the shower and cry. Right. And I'm always like, you know, you write some things that are just for you, you know, that I've written plenty of songs that I know other people wouldn't understand, or maybe it doesn't have the beats per minute that's trending or popular, but it's for me. But when you're trying to put things out on a larger scope where people can have access to it, a lot of young artists just don't have the acumen yet to uh, be prepared to have a strategy or to be prepared to compete with other people that are on the platform you're releasing to. Um, so that's always the first step. And that's always the hardest step I've found because you have to uh, respect the fact that this is somebody's intellectual property, you know, and it's came uh, with a lot of story and feelings and emotions behind it often. And then to let them know that, you know, it is not quite there yet. We need to work on vocals. We need to work on tightening up lyrics. And there's a quote that I've always loved. And I wish I could remember who said it, but it's that the best songs are not written, but they're rewritten, written again, edited, and then released. Right. And that isn't that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think, I think the decision-making process, um, which is so hard when I look at some of these message boards, that you know like did you like you touched on something like is this song for me or am i going to commercialize and make it 
open the audience larger, right? And that's how I kind of look at it. Some writers or artists will go, well, I'm not selling out, man. Well, okay, then enjoy your job at Burger King. That Uh, literally is something that has always just kind of uh, hit me the wrong way when people use the term selling out. And I'm always like, what does that, what is the definition of that to you? Because if you feel like you're selling out by changing your song, then don't change it. Right. But you won't you know, make any money. Well, the bottom line is you ain't going to be selling out no venues. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and I think too, that, you know, that being said, I think that a lot of times like what we do over here is like, you know, know your audience. And I think that's part of artist development, which is a very big facet of what we do here is knowing who you are as an artist. And that oftentimes is who are your fans, who is going to listen to your music, who's downloading, who's streaming, And I feel like that's something that um, a lot of artists that don't really have um, a successful longevity in their career is because they don't know who their audience is. And you have to play for your audience. And that's why a lot of times it's hard to change genres. Like there's a few people that have done it successfully because people are like, well, Taylor Swift went from country to pop. And I'm like, Taylor Swift also had a multi-million dollar team behind her walking her through that process. Well, and and you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I know, you know, like we are, the bootleggers music group is all multi-genre, but I Mm -hmm. did it at the very beginning. Like that's the, the circle. So you, but you have to be aware by doing that, you're going to, you, you know, I guess we've got eight genres that's eight different marketing strategies. That's eight different places we have to be. That's you see what I'm saying? But oh, yeah. like a Taylor but Swift, what what you that. what what you just hit on is exactly it. If you don't have, and I don't care what anybody says, and and if if you disagree with me, please you can. If mm-hmm. you don't put some ass behind your music and find your niche and or your audience and place the stuff there. You got nothing. It doesn't matter if you're Taylor Swift. It doesn't matter who the hell you are. Right. I think that's 100% correct. I feel like, you know, when you're developing as an artist, you're learning what it is you want to say, who you are as an artist. And some people are a different artist brand than they are a person. You know, you've got a lot of people that um, say a lot of things or have personas. You know, that's not my favorite type of artist to work with, but it definitely happens and they have built an audience to that persona. Just like, you know, with artists you have, when you're finding out who you are as an artist and what kind of music you're gonna do, you're also developing who your fans are gonna be. Right. And you're, you're, you create music, yes, organically, um, but the, you want to have a nuance that uh, audience, that your fans are kind of like, they're giving me music that I can't get somewhere else. And they come to expect a certain thing from you. And that's kind of, hopefully you've picked up fans that are true to who you are. Um, so that way you can stay, um, you don't have to compromise anything, but yeah, you definitely need to build your fans, know who your fans are, find them intentionally. And then even your merchandise, even something as you know simple as, or seemingly simple as that, you would release merchandise um, according to your fan base. So there's a lot of, you know, things that are a catalyst to success. It doesn't just happen overnight. People say that all the time. Well, this one happened overnight that nothing really happens overnight. There's (laughs) so many years of work and it just so happened to to pop off in whatever form. And 
but nobody just, oh, I'm going to become a singer-songwriter, write a song on a Friday, and then release it on a Saturday, and then right. you're famous. Well, that's one of the things that I really, truly appreciate about what you do as I read and got more involved in um, um, understanding you and your business. And, you know, to be honest, when, when we were all nominated, um, I didn't. I didn't even go and look at anybody, any of the other nominees, because I personally was just flattered that my friend Clayton Q uh, had been paying attention and nominated. I, I, that came out of nowhere. Um, So until, uh, yeah, until the 22nd or or actually on the 24th, because I think it took like two days to even find out. Um, And then I went and then just watching what you're doing, with these young people, again, you know, the songwriting, yes, is important. The vocals, yes, is important. The production, yes, is important. But you can have all those things in perfection. But if you're not, you don't understand that this is a business. It is a business. And my father used to always tell me it's called show business, but it should be business show. Take care of your right. damn business. And, and, it, yes. and, and it's, a, it's such a component that young people and even, you know, older people, I know a lot of people, it's just like myself, 56 years old, getting back into it. Um, you know, there, I've met a lot of older artists that they, they, they don't understand this is a business. It, it, if you want to put music out and just have it for yourself and your 12 friends, great. Then, then God bless you and that's it. But if you <laughs> want people to hear your message of your song, hear what you're doing, you're going to have to do some business stuff. And, excuse me, I find that that is something that is, again, the hardest thing to um, teach artists. You know, and we have such a um, span of age and experience here. You know, we've got some that are just learning how to sing and learning how to play an instrument. Um, we have some that are, you know, good singers and they're trying to write songs all the way up to artists that we help with their publishing and um, and with the whole goal of teaching people how to be an independent artist and not have to wait for a record deal or a management company to pick you up and how you can be successful um, on your own. And part of that is learning business you know it's not just about the song and the business part is the hardest part for artists typically creative people to be excited about because it is you know there's different areas there it comes with so much disappointment and yeah you know it's not you know you're you know one of the practices that i have gotten into over the past couple years is i actually before i even release a song send it to I have a hundred and about 150 music critics and bloggers and I I send the track to them and say what could I do better in this mix so I don't ask them their opinion of the song because I've already committed to it and it's produced but what's the mix and man it is so they are so vicious (laughs) sometimes and most artists can't take that but I and And it's hard for me sometimes but of course, of course, because it's art. It's yeah. subjective, and it's hard to hear when someone doesn't get it. But not everyone's going to get it. Yeah. I love what you're talking about. We call it like a market survey because we'll do that with questionable tracks that we're like, okay, we're trying something different, or um, you know, something that I'm just like, I don't know if it's commercial or not, and 
So we'll do that with a market survey with some people that are in the industry just to get feedback before we release it um, as a strategy because we've got new artists, you know, and they're trying to make a ripple in the biggest ocean. Right. <laughs> music business but i feel like that that that's another strategy you know yeah. that we use is trying to figure out you know get some feedback um i always think about when i was working in publishing do you remember you may not know there was a band called fun f-u-n and they had that song some nights are know, whatever it is it goes but it was called some nights and it uh, had a very musical theater it was something we had not heard before and the song came through um you know, our emails, you know, and they're just like, what do you think about this? Is it something you would want to sign, possibly license? And everyone in the office was like, oh, this is just no, what is this? You know, and everyone was like hard pass. And I remember thinking it was something that was different, but it was done well. The vocals were great. The production was great. The lyrics were interesting. And I think I was the only one in there that I was like, you know, I think we ought to just sit on it for a second because it's it's so different, but it's done well. And then, you know, a couple of years went by and then I heard the song on the radio and I was just, <laughs> wow, you know, they just missed out because it was a billboard. I want to say it was uh, at least a top 10. It might have hit the top two or three, but, and that's why it's like, you know, you can so try different things. Man. Yeah, and it is. And it's like, you know, um, but again, to the point of independent artistry, um, a lot of that is, you know, throwing the spaghetti on the wall, you know, and seeing what sticks um, in the beginning stages. You know, I have an artist right now in the studio with a new producer and the producer had this vision of doing something completely different than what this artist was wanting to do. And it sounded good and it um, was produced well, but it was so off brand from that, this artist and He's so unhappy with it. And it's like I told him, if I heard the song alone, not knowing who the artist was, I, I, the song's great, you know, but it would be a certain demographic that's going to enjoy that experience where, and it's kind of like club pop music, whereas he's kind of an R&B indie singer songwriter and he's eventually not going to be happy with that audience. You know, right. he's going to, always go back to his roots, which are going to be R&B and singer-songwriter stuff. So you put yourself in an unfortunate position sometimes if you don't know where who you are as an artist and you're taking risks and even they could be successful. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in a genre that is unsatisfying to you just because the, the audience is there. Right. Um, so you have to always look at the bigger picture. We teach that a lot. Um, I have artists that I'll do on Zoom calls and they're like, well, I got a deal in country. And I'm like, well, you do punk pop. So that's not a deal you want. But they're like, oh, but they're going to put me on tour. I'm like, you're not a country artist. Like <laughs> you just because the deal is there does not mean that you compromise everything that you are. And that's why it's important to know who you are as an artist. Yeah. That happens all yeah yeah it does i mean i've seen over the years i've seen lots and i spent a lot of time down in nashville and uh um uh, you know hanging out with a lot of really really cool dudes that uh in the 90s were coming up you know john michael montgomery and uh guys yeah. like that and uh you know just uh I, I had a nice education i think that was my benefit as a uh, you know, I was looking for a deal. It uh, I came really, really close, and then 
some stuff happened, which I'm very fortunate that it did go that way. Um, yes. I didn't know that then, but I knew now. And, uh, you know, so, it, uh, but I, but the time I spent was an education of how it works. Um, you know, how the system works. And certainly today it's harder cause there's not, uh, the labels are not pumping out artists like they used to because the money's not there. It, just, right. it doesn't exist. So they, that's why that Turk, that circle has gotten so much tighter, so much harder to break. And at the end of the day, if you, you know, like you said, if you know what you want to do, like if you know you want to tour, okay, well then you're going to, you're going to have to do certain things and you will make more money if you're touring uh, or are you a songwriter, you know, like in our case, we don't play out a lot. Um, that's not the end game. The end game is the music. And uh, right. so therefore I know there's no money coming back in unless we have our supporters. Um, mm -hmm. you know, to go buy a t-shirt or, you know, pay for streaming or something like that. Um, but, uh, and that's the peril and that is, you know, you know, like, and I also was in Nashville during that period of time when record labels just controlled everything. And when I was an artist and they were like, you know, we need you to be more like Faith Hill. And I'm like, well, Faith Hill is Faith Hill, you know, <laughs> what is, you know, how can I be like that? And the, back in the day, the record uh, labels control everything and everything. and now you have the luxury as an independent artist to make your own calls you don't have to be like faith hill or be like this one you can be your authentic self and when it's good it and i always say you know it you may decide tomorrow like i did to go into business and but you'll always have a body of work that you'll be proud of that your grandchildren will listen to music and art outlive us all you know all we have is our legacy when we're gone and that's something that as an older person you know once you hit a certain age you start thinking about all of those things but when you're dealing with you know a 17 year old or a 25 year old that's getting in the business they they're they're more likely to just do whatever they can to get in if they don't realize that they want to maintain their their control their power and it's possible you can you can make a living. You can be successful doing music if it's strategic and if you know who you are as an artist. And that's hard. Some people don't want to know who they are, and that and being authentic as a songwriter, which your audiences can tell if you're being authentic or not in two yeah. seconds. And a lot of that comes with um, really digging in there. I always say songwriting is accidental therapy. Right. I, I, I was just going to, yeah, I love what I do. I love the accidental therapy of songwriting. And I love these talented young people, quote unquote, uh, Missy Shackleford. So, uh, Missy, I, I'm going to switch gears just a tad here. You sent me two tracks. Uh, you sent me Almost Lover and then uh, The One Everyone Knows. Uh, you sent those to me this morning. I've not had a chance to listen because it, it was that fast. You, I, I yeah. asked you to send me them. So set up this, uh, set up uh, the one everyone knows. Set that up okay. and then we'll discuss it when we come back. All righty. Me set it up. Yeah. Set, well, I can't. I don't know <laughs> shit about it. <laughs> I mean, you want me to you want me to have some accidental therapy and make up some crap about this song? I'll do it. I don't care. Oh, for sure. I will say this that, and this is why it's important. To speaking of artists and business, these were the two tracks I had at my ready this morning, last minute. 
So, and, and it's funny, and I cannot wait to talk to all my artists today after this, because I tell them all the time, keep your music in a folder because opportunities happen in right. two seconds. And the ones that I can reach the quickest will be the ones that get the opportunity, which is just like any business. So right. that happened today. And you got to be opportunistic. Yes. Have your ducks in a row. That's why a lot of people miss out on opportunities because right. they do not have their crap together. But the one everybody knows, the guy that wrote this one, his name's Jacob Turner. Um, when he wrote this song, he not only wrote it, it was during COVID. He was 16, I believe. He wrote it, did every vocal, including the background vocals, did every instrument, also produced it off of a program in his parents' um, guest area the playroom or whatever and then released it we distributed it to you know all of the platforms and um so yeah he was young he did it all on his own it's a very entertaining song it's um people love it i think it's a good one and all he right. did it all on his well let's uh let's uh listen to the one everyone knows and we will be back in uh four minutes and 11 seconds i am speaking with uh missy shackleford the uh, founder and owner of the song shack in memphis tennessee so this is uh the one everyone knows we'll be back this little light go to let it shine burn it down to the ground this night of Better run, better run to the river tonight Cause your heart is black and the lies are white Fill my fire deep inside I want your pain and I want your pride Scream at me until your voice has finally died Better call my name, better hit my face Better leave me crawling, put me in my place Listen closer now, don't leave me with all this space I want your hate to accept my fate But baby, all you do is avoid the truth It's killing one, it's killing two it's killing me and baby it's killing
And that was the one everyone knows. And what was the artist's name again? Jacob Turner. Jacob Turner. Now, can we find Jacob Turner on like all the streaming services and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Or a website? What's his website address? Yeah, he's also in a band called Land Divided. He's got a couple projects. That's his personal project. Um, and one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that is that is very, very cool. I, I, I love that. We were talking off air. And uh, yeah, I mean, just what a what a cool track. And uh, 16 years old when he cut that. Yeah. He's uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, about 19, 20 years old right now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, got he may I'm sorry. I was thinking he may be 21. He was 16, 17 doing that. But yeah, he did every part of that. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's crazy. Well, and that certainly does save you some money when you are proficient at uh, multiple right. instruments. So, and I think that's the goal everyone should have is to be able to do as many things for your business, which is you and your music as possible. That way you've got all the percentages because, and I always say, you're going to lose percentages at some level of your career. That's inevitable. You would have to, um, there's going to be some part of what you're doing that you have to um, give to someone else, just like a business. You can't run it all by yourself. Eventually you'll need an accountant. Eventually you might need, yeah. you know, a payroll, you know, so you just, you, you know, man can't live on, what is it? Do everything himself. Whatever well, you're not going to do everything yourself proficiently. Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, you certainly, can uh there's less to manage if you're unsuccessful right and then but once things start to take place then you do have to punch up and release and and that is hard for you know it's hard for me to release but i'm also 59 now and i realize uh i can't do it all and there is always somebody that can do it better than me but yeah uh, and the more knowledge is power the more education and knowledge you have on how to release, how to license your music, how to manage your business. And the more you can do, if you're producing your own album, then you don't have a producer that's getting any type of percentage or credit on that. I mean, if you can write it yourself, then you don't have a co-writer. I mean, the more you can do independently, you know, the better, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning stages. And that's something I think is empowering for artists. I I find at first when we talk about business, they're like, oh my gosh. And I mentor some women who start new businesses. Um, It's kind of just like a hard project for me. And it's always scary in the beginning because people doubt themselves so much. Right. And I think that once you have that knowledge and you see other people doing it and you see success stories and you have just a small arsenal of tools that you can implement. Um, and you, you can see some results, you know, fairly quickly, you know, without having to wait years, you know, a lot of artists are impatient. I think, I think one of the hardest things, uh, you know, I've always uh, outside of the air force, I've pretty much always worked for myself. And I, and I think, one of the hardest things for people to truly understand is you're going to fail. You're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to uh, fall short. You're going to fall down on your knees. It is just part of the deal. And it's what you do with that knowledge. Like, wow, that didn't work. Well, that's one thing. Now I know don't ever do that again. And you know, where people will look and focus on how, what they failed upon as, uh, uh, instead of 
what did I just learn? You know, like with the music, you know, uh, for me, um, by putting the music to the critics and to the bloggers and to those who are going to help me push it and listening to what they say, I don't have to take it all as gospel, but I have gotten some great advice on my mixes. I've gotten some fantastic information that then you go back and listen and go, you know what? The dude is right. That hi-hat is way too hot. And and then you cool it down. But here was the thing, and this is kind of ties in with what we were talking about. I cannot do it all. And now I have these curators that, and bloggers and critics that feel a part of the song and then they're invested in it. And then they do the work by putting it out there. Oh yeah. Um, And then it becomes a, you know, it takes a village. It becomes such a, a, um, a fairly organic team effort when people believe in you and they're going to have access to things that you're not. I love that. Yeah. It, it has served well, uh, for many people in business that have been successful, I mean, you know, I'm a big Napoleon Hill fan. Uh, I love, uh, you know, that documentary of uh, uh, the men who built America. Uh, you know, they, they were all losers at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and they were multi-losers at some point, you know. Yes. Uh, and, and that's business. You yeah. know, you do, you definitely are going to have some some hits and some misses. And, and if you didn't have that, then you i don't think people are successful and come up with more innovation if they feel like they've got the golden grail and everything they do is perfect and they're successful you you're not in the trenches enough in your failures to be creative enough to be innovative you know it's very it's complacent to just think you know if you have no um falls no fails then you're like okay everything i'm doing works and and that may be all you ever do because it becomes very comfortable well i used to always tell my daughter and uh, my kids but especially my daughter olivia who went to the citadel in uh uh graduating 2020 and she uh she went through massive massive uh obstacles and then with certain commanders you know they were they were uh they were battle hardened and you know i'm like those are the guys you follow. Those are the women you follow or the ones that have been through the storms. I certainly do not want to be in the middle of an ocean during a hurricane and have the captain go, ain't never seen this before. And, you know, I mean, something tells me oh we're going down the drink with the damn Titanic at that point. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. And, you know, it's so funny, too. You know, um, I was just thinking about what you were talking about, your daughter. It's like um, you were talking about the Josie Awards, which I because I did not end up going to the awards. One of the girls that worked here went because I thought for sure you guys were going to win because I even told them, I was like, if the guys that work with the veterans don't win, then it's just, you know, that's such a shame. Um, and so well, I there just, were, there were, uh, the, who was, it's uh, the songs for heroes. I, I want to actually reach out to all the others as well. Uh, yeah. But the songs for heroes guys are, uh, I think is what the name of the thing is where they do the stuff for the vets. You're absolutely right. I mean, here's the, here's the deal when it comes to that. I was talking to a buddy last night, you know, there were 59,000 people, 59,000 nominations and you know, for, for you and me and the other three to getting whittled down by the 59,000 mark is an honor as, as it is. And here's the neat thing. What you do 
is amazing. What you do for kids is amazing. So it was very well deserved, very well earned. And uh, it just shows me that uh, uh, people are paying attention. And, and when it comes to children, especially um, kids, getting them involved in music and showing them because it's going to show them all kinds of life. Music to me okay. is a life lesson. You know, it's, it's, it's you can I, I don't know. It has just helped me. I've been playing since I was five. And it's, well, a, you know, it's a life lesson. And, and then you take it to the next extreme level of teaching them that, yeah, you can be an artist, but you damn well better pay attention to business or get used to saying, pull around to the second window. Right. And, you know, being, that being said, I think one thing that, sorry, I'm having to charge my iPad here. I just realized I was going low on battery. Um, one thing I that I feel so firmly about and one thing I feel like that is so important about what we do, starting with young people, is and I wrote an article about this um, and I feel very firmly about it. And that is you're dealing with young creative people. Oftentimes creative people are very troubled people as young. Uh, well, they're all, growing. they're all depressive and, and nutty. I mean, we're all oh, nutty. Yeah, sure. We're all nutty. <laughs> exactly. I mean, 85% of our presidents have been manic depressives, you know? Oh my gosh. And you know, that gets overdiagnosed a lot. I could go on a tangent about that. But I feel like creative people, we experience life so differently than other people. Um, our highs are higher. Our lows are lower. We, right. We're experiencing a different life than average people. And when you're young, um, I don't know if you had this experience. I know I did. I just felt so misunderstood. I felt so like things that other people would be like, oh, that stinks. I took so internally and tormented by world events and um and so i feel like you know some of the kids that we have here you know they they don't have their thing they're not into sports some are but some that are not into sports this is their community where they can feel safe and their feelings are validated and and that gives you again some empowerment to um know that you're among other people that feel the same way and you're not here well and they're so abnormal. important of what you're doing is they see, cause I remember I, I, you know, I've, I've suffered from uh, clinical depression uh, since the age of 11. And, uh, yeah. uh, but I, I was very blessed because I was, I came from a family of entertainers, a family of creative people. So I had people helping me understand what was going on and therefore, uh, but there were still times and I'll get to my point is you're providing these children these young people with a place that they can see they are not alone. It is not just them. They are, they are not any different. They are the same as thousands of people that are creative. And it and is part even of the process. It is. You know, you asked me, like, what I think when I was a kid, what I thought when I was a kid is, why are the rest of you ignorant people on my planet? <laughs> I love that. I'm just being serious. Um, so, you know, I, it, it, uh, it is very helpful to know that you're not alone in your feelings. And yeah. like you said, we do, we go to the highs, the highs, the lows, the low we take, we, we internalize world events, we internalize, um, so much. And then that's where the expressiveness comes from. 
and, and the age of social media. You have to keep in mind oh, too. Well, we didn't grow up with yeah. that pressure. Yeah, don't get these me started kids, on that. Oh, don't even get me either. <laughs> but these kids are growing up in a fishbowl, and you know everything is fake. You know, right. so they're holding themselves to standards that are impossible. Particular. Mm. I used to say it was the girls, but it's the guys too. I mean, guys. Well, hell, now it's the adults. I mean, everybody's being. Uh, but oh, uh, that's a topic that we can stay on. on. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to switch gears one more time because we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, I want to okay. be respectful of your time. I know you got to get uh, started to work there. It looks like a beautiful day in Memphis. It's um, so pretty. Yeah, yeah. So she, you, you've made me extreme. Thank God I am not hungover and or intoxicated right now because she ke Missy keeps walking around with her iPad and it's making me dizzy. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, it's hard for me to sit still for one. But holy for two, I always underestimate the charging of my devices. That's it. So uh, we're <laughs> going to play another one called Almost Lover, and it looks like it is uh, by Hannah K uh, Casey and Elliot Lenskwickler. And you know, the reason why I sent that one too is this one just recently won a songwriting contest um, down here. Um, based on, you know, the melody, but the lyrics. Um, and this is not a fully produced track. Okay. Um, they haven't gotten in the studio with it, so it's kind of a first listen here publicly on this song. But it did. It won um, a song. They received a songwriting award for this song, and um, I feel invested. We were talking about emotional investments with people. I feel so invested with this story because Hannah – it was a hard uh, song for her to write because of personal experiences that she's gone through. And it took so much time for her to write the song and then for Elliot to find the melodies with her for the lyrics. And um, just so, yeah, I have an emotional investment with this, too. OK, well, we're going to play this song. We'll be back in four minutes and 22 seconds and wrap it up with uh, Missy Shackleford, the uh, 2023 winner of the uh, Music Business and Organization of the Year, a Josie Award. And uh, we'll be right back.
And that was Almost Lover by Hannah Casey and uh, Elliot Linkswiller. What was that? Linkswiller. Linkswiller. So I've been talking to Missy Shackleford in Memphis, Tennessee, the 2023 Josie Award winner for business in organization, music business and organization of the year, which uh, just uh, was so, 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 so well-deserved. And... um, I, I just don't think an hour is enough time, Missy. I know. <laughs> we could talk about things. Uh, I, I want to come. I actually have a dealership uh, in uh, Memphis I work with, and I have been needing to come see him. I may have to drop down your way. And, I would uh, love that. Yeah. I would, I, I would love to come see your place. Uh, and talk to some of the kids, see what you got going on. And then oh, again, we make a big old day out of it. The yeah, kids would love to talk to you. Yeah. And we, uh, we have, um, uh, I think off the air, we were talking, uh, I would love to get some of the kids on because, you know, if we can get these kids off these damn Xboxes off their <laughs> smart, uh, smart ass phones and, uh, <laughs> you know, really get kids back into playing music. I encourage, uh, all parents um, to encourage their kids to do that. And that, that's one thing that I wanted to talk about too is the problem so often with young people that are creative, whether it's art or no matter what it is, their parents are so discouraging of it so often. Like you're never, you, you can't make a living or you, you right. whatever. You need to go to, you know, Ohio State or, you know, right. University of Tennessee and you need to spend a hundred grand so you can, you know, try to live in my basement for the rest of your life. Right. And that's something too, that like, I know you and I have discussed, it's like when being a spiritual person, being a Christian, I know that everything I've spent so many years, like avoiding what I felt like was a calling just because it felt out of reach. It felt like something that was just delusions of grandeur working and make a living in the music business. And I think eventually I got to a point of just surrendering and, to do what my heart wanted me to do, what my spirit felt led to do and at the the risk of not being successful. So that's why sometimes I'm like, when you follow your, your heart, if you are a faith as Christian, a, a person that can look outside of yourself, then sometimes you'll find that when you do something you love, you've been given that passion for a reason and oftentimes when you do the thing that you feel led to do, you will find success in that well, area. And, you know, define it, right? Define right. success. I've been very blessed in my life and made lots of money and then I've made no money. And I'm usually mm-hmm. always happier when I'm not making money. So it's it's <laughs> defining the what does success mean? And in my opinion, I think everybody has their own gig, Right. So yeah. I at 59 now have been uh, at, during the scamdemic knocked down, which I thought I was knocked down. I wasn't knocked down. I was redirected. God said, I want you to do this now. And yeah. therefore, you know, monetarily, I mean, no, this is a shitty business model. Monetarily music <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, but I, I feel much better about uh, myself and my end of life, uh, you know, which well, yeah, is, and as a songwriter, you're doing something that's still in the music business that you love and that you are able 
to pay bills with. And I feel like as a songwriter and former artist, you know, when I'm, I feel blessed every day that, you know, I'm able to still be in the business doing what I feel called to do. And I tell the kids, you may not be, you know, a platinum selling artist, but you may have a very successful project. You will have fans that appreciate your music. You can license your music and make money off of it. There's ways to make money in the music business. It's just being strategic with that as well. Yeah. You just have to, you have to decide what it looks like and how you're going to do it. And it sounds like that's what you're teaching, which is great. You know, Noah Coker, who is a, uh, a bootlegger down at the, and I told you he's, uh, uh down he's a uh, 21 years old now i think uh he's actually been playing with me since he was 14 and wow. I, I guess that sounded kind of disgusting uh he's been playing music <laughs> with me since he was 14 and nice. uh, just a very talented kid as a matter of fact uh the track we got your six uh which i am going to put a plug in here real quick before i get off uh guys uh and girls and everybody listening uh, we got your six was released. We ended up uh, raising uh, over twenty thousand. Actually, I gave a check to twenty thousand dollars to Easter Seals Redwood to help our homeless vets. That thing is up and alive and streaming everywhere. If you have not gotten your T-shirt yet, I did my job. I ordered them. Now you can buy them, and all that money goes uh, back to Easter Seals as well. It is a perpetual fundraiser. So uh, I hope uh, I'm setting my sights at 40000 next year. And uh, so, folks, get out there and listen. I want you to go to uh, thesongshack.com. Uh, I want you to uh, look up uh, Missy. I want you to look up some of the stuff. Where can we find the music at? I, I am... Um. I'm going to say like the best place is going to be um, the songtrack.com. We have links there and then under music and a press, I believe is the tab, but YouTube channel, we've got um, the Songtrack Memphis YouTube channel and I upload um, so many uh, projects. They are a lot of live performances. We've got some 10 year olds that have written and performed songs that we have on there all That's the way awesome. up to the artists we work with in their forties. So it's, that's probably a best the best place to look at live music and and then and you're going to be like able that. to hear I think if you get me enough tracks get me about sixty minutes worth of tracks and we'll have the song shack hour and I love uh, that. we can we can rotate that into the uh, thing oh, I, love I think that. I told you I'm looking for Christmas tunes right now so if anybody's got some Christmas tunes out there preferably original but it doesn't matter uh, shoot those uh, go to the website and you can uh, submit your music there uh, and um, this is not the last you heard of Missy Shackleford. Yes. Uh, we're going to we're going to jump back on here uh, again with uh, some of your uh, artists and writers and things like that. I'd love to listen to them and maybe they can help change the lives of uh, some other young people and even older people. Um, yes, you know, that, that want to that want to pursue because there's a lot of old guys out there and women out there that are all of a sudden they're putting music together because uh, we have some of those here too. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words, Missy Shackleford? <laughs> Do you have any last words before we? Thank get you out of so here? much for having me. Um, I'm just so grateful to to be on here, Paul. I love what you're doing for vets and for music and um, kindred spirits in the music world. It was nice 
being on here and getting to know you. Yeah. Well, I will uh, hang in there. I'm going to take us out with What You Feeling. This is one of the first tracks that I did. It's three uh, minutes, 41 seconds. Uh, my buddy Bruce Daniels up in Marysville, Honda Marysville and Performance Automotive Columbus, uh, put this uh, thought in my head. And when I drove home, I uh, came back. I told Ulrich Ellison over in Turkey what I was looking for. And he said, oh, damn right, man. I'll fire that up. And uh, so, yeah. So this is what you're feeling. Uh, Missy, hang in there a second. We'll say goodbye. And uh, then I'll turn it over to the autopilot. I'll see you next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time where I'll have a guest that will blow your mind away as long as I can find one. Here you go. All right, guys. I'm uh, on the third fret. About 120 clicks, I believe it is. Cool, man. All right. Here you go, Bruce. Hey, Leon, you, over, you okay over there on that harp? You ready to go, man? Yes. <laughs> hey, Ulrich, you feeling this thing, man? I'm feeling good right now, man. Totally, man. All right. Let's write one on the fly.